Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting edge, state of the art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase Today. Visit Douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is Douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Not going to talk about the crowdfunder. Crowdfunding season is over. I just want to say thanks. We hit our goal. So thank you. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by TunnelBear. TunnelBear is the secure app that helps stop companies from invading your online privacy. And it lets you surf the internet as if you were doing so from anywhere you want to on the globe. Try TunnelBear for free with no credit card at tunnelbear.com slash CanadaLand. And this episode is brought to you by the new motion picture, Ladybird. Ladybird is 100% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got a perfect score on Rotten Tomatoes. The New York Times calls it perfect and flat out wonderful. See the funny and heartwarming film that critics and audiences are falling in love with. You know what? I fell in love with this film. I, I went and saw this movie yesterday. Uh, I played hooky in the afternoon and went and watched a movie, which is uh, a delightful guilty pleasure. And I watched Lady Bird and it's like an incredibly charming movie and I encourage everybody to go see it. Written and directed by Greta Gerwig, it is now playing in Toronto and it will be opening in Vancouver, Victoria, Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Halifax on November 17th. Go check it out. Adia Rodrigue. Jesse Brown. Co-host of Commons among, you do some other stuff. Yeah, I have five jobs. Um, welcome back to Canada Land Shortcuts. <laughs> Thank you. It's the place where it all began, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. Adia, we are going to talk today about Bill Morneau, The Dark Knight Returns. We are going to discuss the CBC taking a stand for landlord rights. And we are going to talk about Jagmeet Singh's slam poetry debut. It's good to have you here. It's good to be here. This episode is brought to you by Duncan Peng, Joshua Ewener, Mark, Gene Simborski, Sarah Wilbor, Dana Lynch, Aaron McLeod, and by Sandra Hannibal. 
I'm Sandra Hannibom, and I'm a student at the University of King's College, and I'm currently reporting for The Signal. And I chose to support Canada Land because it was a big part of my introduction to journalism. So when my friend said that I couldn't go to journalism school because I didn't know what I was getting into, I could say, yes, I do. Hadia, this episode's also brought to you by Tunnel Bear. I don't know if online privacy security is something that you consider. I do. I had a VPN service in the past, and I haven't had one for a little while, so now I'm going to go home and try Tunnel Bear. Tunnel Bear is a VPN service that you don't need a credit card to try out. And for those who are not aware of these things, like... VPN services are something that you should think about when you're traveling, when you are doing banking not from your home, when you want to just see what the internet looks like as if you were surfing the internet from somewhere else. The FCC has struck down existing net neutrality laws in the U.S. There is very little stopping American companies from keeping records of every single person, citizen or not, that uses their services. And we're just expected to give away a staggering amount of personal information. And this is a way to avoid that. If you're concerned about this, as we all are, surfing with Tunnel Bear is a way to avoid that because they encrypt your internet connection. People cannot see what you're doing or where you are spending your time online. There is an added layer of privacy because Tunnel Bear encrypts your search requests so companies cannot see what you're searching for based on the websites that you're headed to. Try it for free. You don't need a credit card. Go to tunnelbear.com slash CanadaLand. Bill Morneau has seen better days. Have you been following his trials and uh, tribulations? I have. I have. Uh, of course you have, because you are a co-host of our politics show. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I, like we won't talk necessarily about the uh, uh, supposed financial impropriety, whereby Mr. Monod used a loophole in the Call of Conflict of Interest Act to avoid putting his substantial holdings in a blind trust, for which he is now under investigation or examination from the Ethics Commissioner. And that, in a larger sense, uh, it's affecting the liberals. The, the polling shows that people just don't think the liberals are actually looking out for the middle class, which was one of their... That's all more of a political conversation. Yeah. I want to know what the Toronto Star has to say as this unfurls. And what they have to say in their feature article about Bill Morneau is the following. This is Donovan Vincent writing about Bill Morneau. Some of finance minister Bill Morneau's staff have a nickname for him, Bruce Wayne. It's a term of endearment. Wayne, Batman's alter ego, is an ultra-wealthy industrialist who dons a cape and uses his skills, intellect, and brawn to fight for the underdog. Similarly, Morneau, a highly educated and wildly successful entrepreneur, left his big business in 2015 and entered politics, he says, because he wants to champion the vulnerable, particularly middle-class Canadians with financial worries. And it goes on like this for over 4,000 words. For over 4,000 words, Dee, we get some pictures that I think Bill Morneau has supplied to the Toronto Star. We have Bill and his adoring wife, the French fry heiress. Yep. We have Lil Billy playing hockey <laughs> as a lad. We have Bill's family skiing with Justin Trudeau's family. Justin Trudeau, remember him? We look still like him, everybody, right? <laughs> See? He's buddies with Bill Morneau. We have Bill with a bunch of smiling African children. We have a picture of a scowling Pierre Polievre. Ooh, his spoo, <laughs> asking those questions. And then we have this little passage here. In the 1980s, Morneau was in a rut. He took a year off to study humanities in France at the University of Grenoble. He loved being immersed in the language, which helps in his current job. And there was a fringe benefit, a brief fling with a young French woman. 
Like, I don't need to know who you dated. The erotic European <laughs> adventures of Bill Morneau. Of the white men <laughs> in Europe. What the fuck is this? What is this article? Have you read this article? I really like the part where his wife was described as having neatly trimmed short blonde hair and a small frame. <laughs> I'm like, why does that matter? Like, who cares what she looks like? I mean, it's very transparent what... I mean, it's not transparent. It's sort of transparent, I guess. Like, if you're the newsreader, you're just like, oh, a big glowing profile of Bill Morneau. And and as you read on, you know, it is in there. As controversy swirled, Morneau, 55, sat down with the star for a series of exclusive, a series of exclusive interviews, the first in-depth ones he has given about his public and personal life. So, okay. Uh, I mean, that's not totally transparent, but it's obvious. Facing... Basically, the very real possibility of his ouster, that he's becoming politically toxic. You're on Team Morneau. What can we do to reverse this PR tide? Well, we've never really given a big fluffy, you know, access to your personal life. You're a big, you're a rich guy. You're a a sexy internationally, like people want to know this stuff. Who can we get to write a friendly? Okay, let's go to the star. And what I don't understand is why the star would accept these terms. Like, it's true that within the article, it's not like they avoid talking about the controversies that's covered. But this is fluff. It's, it's over 4,000 words of fluff. And the point of this, like, what do you learn from this is just like, oh, he's a great guy who has, you know, left a, a, an incredibly high paying job to take a incredibly high paying job of less, you know, <laughs> somewhat less salary yeah. because he, damn it, he cares and wants to make a difference. Like there's no news value to this. I mean, MPs make $170,400, I believe. I think it's quoted as a minister. I don't know. I, I don't know. I know very little about this. But and the, ministers might get more. In, in the piece, it says something like 250000 He was making a million a year before. Now the poor guy is only making 250000 because he's a, Such he's a, a citizen because he cares. Yeah. I just don't know why the star would be a, like, uh, would, would play a role in this ad. And, and, and I'm not saying that facetiously. Like he is now using it as an ad. He's now been tweeting it saying, I want Canadians to know more about my journey. And then tweeting a link to this. Like it's now being used as official Morneau propaganda. Right. I guess I don't understand is why does your journey matter so much? What does his journey tell us about what's happening to him right now? Is it, I mean, it seems like it's just trying to garner sympathy. Like, yeah, I'm really a nice guy. I might be not doing such a great job right yeah. now, but but I'm a nice guy. But I mean, this is like, it's hackneyed, um, almost anachronistic PR is like after somebody suffers some kind of bad press day, you have like People Magazine come and, and take a picture of you playing piano with your wife and kids yeah. or sitting on the sofa or something. And I can't imagine any online news source running this story. Like, I mean, it's an old thing like, well, this guy's under fire, so we're getting access we wouldn't get before. Do we take it or not? Okay, take it. You, like getting access to something that people want to read about. But then like, look, he declined to speak on the record in detail about decisions on his finances. So like in the midst of this political maelstrom, he's saying, I'll give you access to like my my yearbook. Yeah. Uh, actually, he didn't give access to his yearbook because there's something embarrassing in his yearbook where his friends called him Willie Porno. So I think the other side had that. We'll give you access to my family album. But the actual news thing that I'm involved in, I'm not going to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I I don't really want to read about your ski trips with Trudeau and your your family background and read about how wealthy you were. Yeah, I don't actually give a shit. I want to know about what's happening now and how you plan to why you did the things you did and how you plan to address those problems. I mean, do you think the Times would run something like this? I don't know. The Times have runs they? some questionable stuff, but but uh, I don't know. I mean. I have no inside information that like phone calls can, are made where, where the star actually considers themselves loyalists to the liberals and, and like you can kind of pull a string and get this done. 
All I know is that it sure looks that way. Like, it's sure, like, it's baffling. Like, I don't think reader interest in this is so great that, like, well, you know, this is just, like, give the people what they want. Like, we don't really care that much about Bill Morneau's personal life. No, I mean, I know I don't. I mean, to me, it made no dent on what I think of him. Yeah. I'm like, I expect people to be good people. Right. I don't expect them to be bad. So telling me that you're a good person doesn't change anything. That's just the basic human expectation I have for people in the world, especially people um, in public service. But even the fling with the French woman? I'm just like, great. You made out or more with a French girl. Cool. <laughs> Is it supposed to humanize you or make you seem real cool? Surprise us, Bill. <laughs> Give us 4,000 words on that. Landlord Jim Johnson discovered too late that his tenant, Elizabeth Critchley, is a fraudster with more than 120 convictions in three provinces. By the time he found out, check after check bounced. He was out more than $12,000 in rent. Hadia, on to this next scoop. I don't know if you've caught the news. This is a major CBC exclusive investigation across the country. Cool dude didn't pay his rent. That's, that's close to the actual headline. Let me find the actual headline here. Yeah, Trevor Dunn, CBC story. Toronto cool guy, quote unquote, wanted by multiple landlords for double-ended rental scam. And what we have here is the Go Public team, which uh, is sort of the consumer advocacy investigations. You know, this is like the marketplace investigations into like, are, are, you know, are, are you getting screwed by big business? Are you, are, you know, somebody looking out for the little guy? And which previously I think did wonderful stuff because when Kathy Tomlinson was uh, running the Go Public team, she did that amazing expose on RBC, the temporary foreign workers scandal, where she found that people were actually being asked to train their replacements and that RBC was abusing this temporary foreign worker program to bring in people to displace Canadians to the de- detriment of many. And uh, and they ultimately apologized and I think ended that. Anyhow, after some stuff that we reported about that and Amanda Lang, Kathy Tomlinson's off to the Globe Mail where she's doing good stuff on real estate in Vancouver. And instead, it seems like uh, leading the charge here was Rosa Marchitelli, who tells the story of Elizabeth Critchley, who also goes by the name Betty Drake, Betty Burns, and Elizabeth Ann Drake. She has a criminal record that dates back more than 25 years and includes more than 120 convictions, many of them for fraud in Nova Scotia. This is, this is a person who screwed a landlord. Yeah. I've read versions of this story a few times about, mm-hmm. you know, like the, 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 the tenant from hell. I was about to say the landlord from hell, but no, that's not that story. This is the story of the tenant from hell. And CBC is trotting this out with a lot of fanfare because they've, they've found different instances of tenants from hell around the country. And they're sort of like playing this as a big story of like, you know, the rules allow tenants to really screw landlords. What's your take on this coverage? I mean, there are shitty people out there. There are scam artists who work in a variety of fields. And this is just one of the fields in which they work. There's a lot of issues generally with access to um, legal representation and the length of time it takes things to get through a system. Um, so the landlord and tenant board, like it takes a while to get a hearing to get someone evicted um, if they're not paying their rent or whatnot. So, I mean, we just don't have enough A people working at these organizations to process these sort of uh claims quickly. And yes, the rules do favor tenants, but that's because it's usually tenants who are getting screwed more often than landlords. But you're always going to have some people getting screwed on both sides. I've been screwed over by 
landlords multiple mm-hmm. times. There's an interesting thing you pointed out, which is that, oh, yeah, that, you know, that's red tape and the system moves slowly to evict people. Uh, and these stories often focus on these lumbering bureaucracy. And meanwhile, I got a freeloader and I'm losing money and, and the poor landlord. I think that's true to some extent. But I think that one thing that is absent from all these stories is that if the system, and I think it's different province to province, is slanted in favor of the tenant as opposed to the landlord, it is not simply because of bureaucracy and red tape. It is that landlords screw tenants, tenants screw landlords. When a tenant screws a landlord, the landlord is out money. Yeah. When the landlord screws the tenant... The tenant is out of home. Yes. Yeah. So society has made some decisions here that we, that we are going to slant this in favor of tenants yeah. so that people aren't kicked out onto the street. Which uh, makes sense. <laughs> it, that just seems right to me. Yeah. It's like the basic protections that government can offer vulnerable people. Yeah. So reading these stories... I can love these stories. Like there was like the same reporter Trevor Dunn wrote about that James Regan guy who was like the the millionaire yes. fraudster, <laughs> the Yorkville le- tenant. From who also hell. did yeah, who also did a lot of shady tenant stuff. Totally, and and some of these guys you know double like the cool guy in Liberty Village was renting stuff and the, and then subletting it out to other people and screwing them. So yeah. t- tenants got screwed too. So I can appreciate these as like oh we found this fraudster criminal and it's fun to expose them and dig into these bad actors, these people who abuse the system. But what I found revealing is that in none of this CBC coverage, were there any real stats on this being an endemic problem? Yeah, you, you know? cherry picking stories perhaps. Yeah, so. these are outliers. And uh, the only stat offered, I think, um, you know, they, they spoke to the landlords lobby group about how the rules are not fair to landlords. Yeah. You know, there's nothing in there from like, like we're in a housing crisis in yeah. this country. Talk, talk to tenants too, like have more balance. Wasn't in there. The only like stats were that uh, according to a recent report, out of about 1.3 million rental households in Ontario, 4.5% of tenants will face potential eviction which doesn't really tell you anything about how many are actually evicted, which doesn't tell you anything about how many were fraudsters. But what it does tell you is that whatever that final number is of like, if if the CBC campaign is all about isolating fraudsters and exposing fraudsters, it's going to be less than the 4.5% because any fraudster is going to face eviction. So we're talking about like probably like less than 1%. Like it it might be a a, small number. Yeah. People abusing the system in that kind of like, I know the system, I'm going to move in and it's going to take you six months to evict me. So I get to live rent free. That happens very, very rarely. Where I can tell you that of the houses I have rent and, and apartments I've rented in Toronto, a good 60% of my landlords did not really know what the contents of the Residential Tenancies Act were Yeah, and would just ask or propose or suggest things that were just straight up in conflict with the act um, and just don't, don't, don't know my rights Yeah, and then try and enforce ridiculous things. I'm like, you can't do that and then get mad at me for knowing the law. Yeah, I, I had like, that you, situation. You're renting to a lawyer. Like, right. <laughs> what do you expect? Yeah, I, I think that a lot of stuff happens just because the landlord has this perceived power and people don't know their rights, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that a news organization might do is inform people about what their rights are as yeah. tenants. Even within the piece, like one of the landlords or quoted- inform landlords what their rights are as yeah, landlords. Yeah, I mean, just to know what, what's going on here would be, like, even within the piece, one landlord is quoted as saying, I've been a landlord for 20 years. I've never had an issue like this in my life. You know, so I'm like, I'm trying to think about like, like, what is the point of especially go public, which is supposed to be like citizen advocacy investigations, you know, like, I think it's really revealing. But that's saying it's rare. 
like I've never had an issue before like this in my life. That's it, which is to say like this cool. is that, that's good. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's I, there are going to be bad actors who who game the system, but I would like, hope you wouldn't have had multiple incidents like this. That me too. And and to flip it and say like like the suggestion from this which is not even just like one big investigation, but it's like it's like a beat. It's like a series of stories that pop up every year or two. Yeah. The tenant from hell, the tenant from hell. What they all imply is that the rules need to be changed in favor of landlords. But they don't. And we don't see any stats about like, okay, well, how many people have housing insecurity and how, like, yeah. uh, you know, like, th- like that you can actually quantify and that's a social problem. Yeah. It's very revealing to me that the CBC assumes its reader is going to relate to the landlord. <laughs> you know, like, like, like that these stories are all like, oh, you know, I was, I'm just a humble guy who wanted to flip a few condos and uh, I got screwed by one of my tenants. I'm just you know? a person who has a million dollar piece of property. That's cool. Like there are like I, I'm probably more economically like just like oh shit I better be careful and yeah. you know if I'm ever in that position like uh, just do your due diligence know what you're getting yourself into I think a lot of people think oh I have a house I'm just gonna rent it out it'll be fine I don't really need to know like half the times the places have been rented to me literally the transaction has taken ten minutes yeah like I show up I give them my stuff they want like, the money and they're yeah. like they take me around quickly and then I'm like cool I want it they're like cool yeah like they don't know me from Adam they. Some of this stuff is just like where he's like parody, like, you know, a cool guy who doesn't pay his rent. It's like, you know, I have an ex-roommate who still owes me 25 bucks uh, and, and left the butter out overnight. So I, I, I could call, go public about that. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. Okay, let's thank our other sponsor today, Away Suitcases. I rhapsodize about this suitcase because it's my favorite new object. Because I travel and traveling is a drag and dragging a suitcase hurts my back and the Away Suitcase is like properly uh, tall. It's actually adjustable and 
I can do things that I couldn't do with my old suitcase. Like the wheels spin 360 degrees. I can push the thing in front of me. It's incredibly lightweight. It's sort of indestructible. And it changed my travel routine and, and I, I feel like less physical pain. It also has like an iPhone charger, like a phone charger in the suitcase. Ooh. That's very useful. Like that's you don't want to be like a layover, like you're stuck at the airport and you're running. You're seeking. You're looking out for a power outlet. Yeah, you got to fight some person one. for the damn yeah. thing, and you know it's the best suitcase I've ever traveled with, and you can try it for free for 100 days. Vibe with it. It's I don't know what that means to vibe with it. Look, you could travel with it. You can Instagram. This is not what I do with my suitcase. This is what they're suggesting you do. But look, whatever you do with your suitcase is your business. If you decide it's not for you, you could return your Away suitcase for full refund. Shipping is free, and thanks to Away's lifetime warranty. Like I said, this thing is indestructible. If anything breaks, they will fix it, so you have nothing to lose. I like these companies are about quality over quantity. It's just a better suitcase, and uh, you can get $20 off of an Away suitcase if you visit awaytravel.com slash CanadaLand. Use the promo code CanadaLand at checkout. Again, that is awaytravel.com slash CanadaLand, promo code CanadaLand. Duly noted time. Can I duly note something that I enjoyed very much? Sure. I thought that you wrote a wonderful piece about being black on Bay Street in the Globe and Mail, and it's just a shame nobody read the damn thing. You know, I just like, it's like one of those pieces that I just wish had gotten like a little bit of, of, of attention. You're funny. How many shares is it at now? Uh, last time I checked was a couple of days ago. It was at 13,000 shares on Facebook. 13,000 Facebook shares. And my video had been viewed 150,000 times. That is fantastic. Congratulations. And people Thank who, you. The few people who haven't read this thing, it did, it did go viral. It went Canada viral, but, but uh, that's a lot. 13,000 shares in Canada is a lot. And uh, I think everybody read this thing that was about your experience as being a brilliant young woman who was accepted to Harvard Law School and eventually kind of went like there is this sort of very prescribed, rigorous, competitive route through which law students go article on Bay Street and fight for each other with each other for these jobs. And, and you know, starting salaries over $100,000, the whole thing, you kind of started off walking that path. What I love about the piece is you describe something that people are very reluctant to accept, which is like nobody was overtly bigoted and, and uh, you know, racist in, in any of the ways that like a movie of the week. Like it was Yeah, just, no one's like shutting the N-word at me. Yeah. There were just like this series of subtle signifiers and cultural expectations and norms that accumulate to give you this idea like that it's, just, it's not for you, that yeah. you're not one of them. And I can kind of relate to this. Like there are stories told in my family about the early days of those firms where there were certain firms that just like Jews were yeah. not allowed. Yeah. And there were the other firms that Jews were allowed. And there's the firms that have like one token Jew associate and what it was like to be in that culture. And it's interesting how these things repeat themselves. But I think it was a wake up call. And I, I just want to ask you, like, like the shares are that's great. What has the response been like in your life? Like what? Because uh, it does feel like everyone's talking about this piece. It is amazing because, A, I was terrified before this came out because it's it's hard to talk about your personal life and something where, you know, some, there's a little bit of me that feels like I failed because, you know, I didn't stay and I didn't make it or I couldn't stay. So it's hard to kind of expose parts of yourself that even some of my friends didn't know about. So I was really nervous until it came out. I didn't know it was going to be on the cover, so that was a shocker. And I've only gotten two negative emails. Yeah. Every other single piece of contact, like email, um, direct message, LinkedIn, has been positive. And 
people from all walks of life telling me basically how they didn't feel like they fit at some point. Like, you know, I was an immigrant or my parents were immigrants or I came from small town Ontario and like white, black, Asian, indigenous, like literally the response crosses color lines, it crosses gender lines and crosses socioeconomic lines. And I'm just kind of blown away. I was not expecting this kind of response. So if you have messaged me, I'm getting through messages. I have like 300 to get through and I actually have five jobs to do. I will respond to you. Um, I do want to respond to everyone that wrote. It's just going to take me a little while. uh, Yeah, I hear (laughs) you. Aside from your overflowing inbox, it it does feel like you started a a wider conversation and there's like a follow-up piece in the Globe, White on Bay Street. (laughs) Finally, White on Bay Street. Tell me, No, it actually was this piece by... uh, I'm meeting with him. Okay, this uh, Frank Vitesse from uh, Deloitte, Canada, talking about how your piece was a clarion call to actually do something about this. Some of these ideas are like we discuss on our podcast, this network, frequently, but like to see that in the front of the Globe and Mail, it allowed people, I think, to engage these issues like, I'm not calling you a KKK member, but you're asking people to consider that perhaps powerful institutions built by WASPy white men and overwhelmingly inhabited by waspy white men might also disproportionately benefit waspy white men, which is just like this common sense conclusion. And and that like the people who are perpetuating that are not awful people who want to be perpetuating that, but they just need to be more thoughtful about the ways in which they're perpetuating that is basic, but basic on the front of the Globe and Mail who I think are usually going the other way. So uh, congrats on that piece. Thanks. One cool thing is that a lot of firm managing partners sent it out to all their lawyers because coincidentally, the next Monday was the start of interview week. Yeah. Um, Students were bringing it up during interviews. Yeah. They they were asking firms like what they were doing on these fronts. I had students who told me. Oh, wow. That's a a real power flip, isn't it? Yeah. And I had students who told me that it factored into their decision as to which firm to go to, like the response to what they were doing. Um, so I think firms are realizing that this is an, an issue that's really important to the next generation and that they're going to lose out on some of the best talent if they don't do something. Yeah. And, you know, they've got a year until next year's interview rounds, and I will be watching with bated breath, <laughs> and I expect that there should be some changes. Well, the, you know, I think that the power flip is also part of what you wrote, which is that this isn't about what nice things you can do for these aspiring young people of color. It's about, like, dudes, Canada is changing wildly. You're an anachronistic holdout. Uh, you're going to look bad and you're going to miss out in the marketplace if, yeah. if you don't reflect this country yeah. better. And, you know, like it's it's a soul searching. Like look, look inside as to what's going on. Why are you not keeping up with these changes? Yeah, like if your company does not reflect the stats and the metrics of Canadian society, you don't have the best people. Yeah. Because... That means you don't have the best person of X group and Y group and Z group if you have nobody from that group. And those people are going to be on par with the best people from the Mm -hmm. white male population. So statistically, it can't be that white men are the best and the smartest in the world. Like it just just doesn't make statistical sense that they all there would be a concentration of intelligence and capability in this one group. Yeah. And and I think that like those who are who are in the back of their mind going like I don't know maybe like like you might think but that actually does make you the other kind of racist. So. <laughs> <laughs> duly noted. What do you got? So I would like to duly note the recent Canadland piece mm-hmm. on federal judge Robin Camp, and some of you may know him as the infamous "Why didn't you keep your knees together, judge?" 
Yes, I think that's that's right and good that he should be known as the why didn't you keep your knees? That's what he said at a rape trial to uh, the alleged victim. Uh, why didn't you just keep your knees together? And why was, didn't you lift your butt out of the push your butt down into the basin so he couldn't rape you? To the to the homeless nineteen year old woman who yeah so so he lost his job over that which was good, uh, but he's popped up uh, in a Canada Land story. Yes, yeah, so he was hanging out with the rebel, seemingly talking shit about the decision to. Uh, reprimand him for his words in the trial. It's just staggering. allegedly, allegedly. Yeah, he the, denies it. As yeah. says his lawyer. I mean, but the story itself just blew our minds. That like people's like, oh, this isn't shocking at all. I'm shocked. I'm shocked that that everything is as predictable. It's like who would Ezra Levant be be, be working with? Oh. Of course. Disgraced former judge, knees together judge uh, Robin Camp. And and this all has to do with this like British adventure of Ezra's where those guys, Kaylin Robertson, who turned on Ezra, they were the ones who said to us in a phone call like, oh, because we, we, we were aware that like Corey Tonight had been working with Ezra. And Kaylin said, do you mean the judge or the other guy? And we were looking into the Corey Tonight thing. And later, Graham Gordon, our reporter, said, like, well, but which judge? Who's this judge? And it turns out, like, Robin Camp was in the UK exploring the possibility of a role for him at the Rebel and meeting with these guys, Kaylin Robertson. And and according to Kaylin, Camp was completely dismissive of this whole scandal that had cost him his job. And that he, yeah. as you mentioned, he just had his reinstatement hearing and he's just like contrite. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I've learned, you know. And according to Kaylin Robertson, he was saying just the opposite when they met. But okay. my God, how small is this country? How how tight is this circle? Like, I, I would like something actually surprising to happen. I mean, you're surprised, but I'm not surprised. I'm shockingly unshocked. I don't know. Like, I expect these people to let me down now. They got to they got to prove that they've actually learned and changed. Duly noted. Hadia, you wrote a piece called Who the Fuck is Andrew Shear? Well, I have a little video I'd like to play for you. It's called I'm Andrew Shear. <laughs> Hi, I'm Andrew Shear, the new leader of Canada's Conservatives. Hey, Hi. I know what it's like growing up in a family that had to make sacrifices, but with hard work and responsible choices, my parents still gave us a good life. Hi, Andrew. Hey. Conservatives want to see every Canadian succeed and prosper. So the other guys can take their cues from the cocktail circuits and celebrities. I'll take mine from the grocery stores and the soccer fields. That's who I am. That's who I'm fighting for. Uh, we watched Andrew walking through a little suburban parquet and greeting his neighbors. So that's the visual on that. I'm surprised he has a black neighbor. <laughs> um, you know, YouTube video, Andrew Shear has a black neighbor. And this is coupled with a, um, a Twitter message where the Conservative Party tweeted out, Andrew Scheer had this to say to people who denigrate our country. And then the quote, oh, damn, that sounds really combative. What does he have to say to the people who denigrate our country? And the, dun, quote, dun, dun. the, the quote is, where else would you want to live? <laughs> where, where else? He's like the dimple. Come on, guys. Come on, come on, you people denigrating our country. Where else would you want to live? Which is like this kind of friendly, dimpled, smiling face of shut the fuck up and love it or leave it. <laughs> um, I, and and, and I, that actually, I, it took me a while to actually like look at that message again because they soften the fact that it's actually a very aggressive message and a very divisive message. The question, where else would you want to live? Ask that of a Canadian. My first mind is like, oh, I can think of so many places. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, Denmark, Sweden. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that sounds <laughs> good. Like, you know, the countries that have really good 
benefits. Sure, to us, uh, you know, Eastern Upper Canadian snobs. Yes, but even to like your kind of died in the wool conservative Albertans, where else would you want to live? Well, most of them would like to live in Florida or Arizona during the winter. Like, yeah, it, it, like that's like a message that actually is like, oh, there's just like not here. I, I just feel like. It, this this gets filed to the like Kelly Leach promotional video, um, uh. but this is not just the conservatives. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna lay some Jagmeet Singh on you. No matter how long you're away, where you've been, or why you return, there's an indescribable feeling when you come back home. Hashtag St. John's. Hashtag Newfoundland. Hashtag Labrador. Jagmeet Singh. Rupee Car, I got shit from. Uh, there's people like don't don't dump on Rupee Car, but it, it's it's written in that like weird line breaks, um, high, high school poetry style. There's no, there's no spacing though. You know, there's it's not like moved over with a tab. That's true. It's just straight lines. Jagmeet didn't hit the tab. It's just like, don't you feel like every party now has basically said, "All right, Canadians are fucking idiots. Let's just pander <laughs> to them full time." I don't know. I think. I feel like Jagmeet's a bit of a softy in there, and he was just—he was just feeling St. John's. <laughs> he was just inspired and taking advantage of 280 characters. Also, but a weird thing to tweet. The day that we do not mock <laughs> leaders of federal parties when they tweet high school poetry and they're like patriotic, patriotic uh, high school poetry is is a day that uh, I don't even know what anymore. It just feels like he was trying to be. Moody and sensitive. Everyone it's, is, it was like emo. He was like being really emo. He was being Jagmeet. <laughs> like he was being the cartoon character of like, as Andrew Shear was like, I want to look like a suburban dad. That worked really well with the Stephen Harper thing. And Jagmeet's doing like, like sensitivity. And, yeah. He was uh, being a sensitive, cool guy. A sensitive, cool guy. And Justin does his thing. And, and like, that's where we're at is like. Justin's got his selfies. Jagmeet's got his poetry now. Shear's got. He, I call him an aw shucks dappled pony. Shears, <laughs> Shears got his dad bod and his <laughs> and his dimpled smirk. Like, yeah. What I'll say about all of this is like I I don't mean to romanticize. Like there isn't some like you know era where politicians weren't trying to present some like palatable reduced cliche because you want to just communicate effectively something very simple and affect people's perception of you. I will say that like at this point it feels like it's never been more independent of any kind of substance. Yeah. Like it's just these these character messaging. But I mean, are they even running their own Twitter accounts? I'm going to go ahead and say that that poem that Jagmeet wrote was not cooked up by a team of social media experts. I'm going to go ahead and say that. It's actually hard to tell whether that was Andrew Shear in that video or like a CGI um, representation of Andrew Shear. <laughs> I will leave open the possibility that that was all virtual. Side note, he's praising a country that's run by a liberal government right now. If he's saying Canada's great... Why would you want to live anywhere else? He's saying Canada is currently great under a liberal government. I suppose so. <laughs> Technically. Yeah. But we know what he's really saying. Yeah. And if, the, if there's any kind of like ambiguity because it's a soft message, hey, where else would you want to live? That ambiguity is cleared up by the conservatives framing of that in their tweet where they say he has this message for people who denigrate, denigrate. our country. Yeah. So this is a dog whistle saying, you know, there are people out there who shit on Canada. Well, Andrew Shear is the guy who's going to well, say. Well, like his two the- MPs who went down to Fox News to shit on Canada. <laughs> oh, oh, right. <laughs> not, not those, though. Oh, yeah. O- only... 
Only mm. non-white CPC people who yeah, shit not, on Yeah, not Canada. Michelle Rempel on Tucker Carlson no. shitting on Canada. or Peter Kent. Where else would you want to live, no. Michelle? No. <laughs> um, he, we know who he's talking to. So yeah. there's, I, I guess, the, the, to modify my earlier statement, the substance of this, if there is more political relevance of this, is a very divisive and pretty destructive. It's a call out to bigots and racists everywhere, someone said on <laughs> Twitter. Um, a friendly call out to bigots and racists. Yeah, I mean... You can acknowledge that we have comparatively a good country as compared to some others on certain metrics with acknowledging the fact that we also are deeply problematic in a lot of ways. Well, that's the thing. They're that, not incompatible. Yeah. Yeah. You said it like for a politician to be echoing this kind of like if you are going to criticize us, love it or leave it, which is like the, the message that this falls. Like it is an anti-democratic Notion, and you know, I, I've said this many times. This whole idea in Canada that we can't actually criticize Canada without people saying like, "Ah, oh, but it's better than it is somewhere else." Like before we can even get into a yeah. discussion about how to just engage a citizen, somebody's saying like, "Shut up! It's better here than like, it is in the we states." We have sexism, but it's not as bad. So let's not do anything about yeah. it. Yeah, to have the guy who wants to be prime minister evoking that message, yeah. like pretty directly, like if you're going to denigrate our country, get the hell out. Yeah, is just to stop. What you're supposed to be encouraging, which is like that we're supposed to talk about this stuff and, and have a democracy where we yeah. actually. So, like yeah. one of the negative tweets I saw to my article was someone saying, Don't bring racism into Canada. And I was like, Sweetie, baby, oh. darling, it's already here. It's been here since Canada was a thing and before Canada was a thing. No, you did it. You brought it in. That is your Canada Land Shortcuts. Thanks for having me, Jesse. Thank you for being here. Uh, we are on Twitter at Canada Land. Hadia, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at DRodrique. And I will have a website very shortly, DRodrique.com. Excellent. Uh, you can email me, by the way. I'm at jesse at CanadaLandShow.com and I read everything you send me. If you like Canada Land's page on Facebook, you'll get our news stories in your news feed. And if you go to our website... CanadaLandShow.com, you can find them there too. Our crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash CanadaLand. The show was produced by Kevin Sexton. Syndication is by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. You can visit them online at CFUV.ca. If you like what we do, please support us on Patreon. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.